0: Welcome to Episode 8 of Season 2, where I talk to experts to help navigate the post-divorce journey. Today's guest is Emmy Weber. She is a licensed clinical social worker in Brooklyn, New York. She has over 25 years of experience working with children and families as both a clinician and administrator, and currently she is running her own private practice. In this episode, we'll talk about how to help kids overcome challenges. We often say kids are resilient, but they are also in crisis right now, dealing with the effects of the pandemic. Amy is noticing anxiety and stress are rampant among kids. So listen to this episode to learn tools and techniques you can implement today to help your kids navigate challenges. Remember to be the messenger of hope and share this episode with three of your friends. Thank you for subscribing, reviewing and downloading the podcast. I appreciate each and every one of you merry christmas and happy holidays to you and your loved ones welcome to single parent success stories i am your host Irina shehovtsov and i am on a mission to empower broken-hearted women to break the chains of the past and move forward boldly into the future single parent success stories was created to inspire single parents out there who are struggling to help them realize what is possible. How would you like to master your mind to transform your life, overcome anxiety, trauma, doubt, and suffering, to win daily and enjoy a life of confidence, peace, and freedom? This is your unique opportunity to work directly one-on-one with me in a breakthrough coaching, if you are interested, you can check out the link below and schedule your 45 minute discovery session to see if we are a fit. Hello, and welcome to Single Parent Success Stories. Today's guest is Amy Weber, and she is a licensed clinical social worker from Brooklyn, New York. She has over 25 years of experience working with children and families as both a clinician and administrator. And currently she is running her private practice. It's a pleasure to have you. Thank you for coming on.
1: Thank you so much for inviting me.
0: Thank you. So please tell us first about yourself. How did you decided to become a licensed uh, clinical social worker? Is that something you always wanted to do? Or was there a point in your life where like, this is what I'm going to do now?
1: No, I, you know, I actually moved to New York to uh, go to acting school at NYU. And halfway through acting school, I realized that I really didn't enjoy it and that I had tremendous stage fright and um, that what I was really enjoying was some volunteer work that I was doing with a child, tutoring him um, at an after-school program. And um, so then I pivoted. So I started taking classes um, that were about using acting as a therapy model, um, Mm -hmm. sort of drama therapy. Um, then after college, I decided to go back and get my master's in social work. All right. Awesome.
0: Awesome. All right. I love your story. Incredible. You know how you realized, okay, this is what I'm going to do, but acting kind of didn't work out and you felt your true passion and you went for it and incredible. I love it. (laughs) <laughs> so what are some of the common uh, and I know we talked previously some of the common things that you see with parents that coming to you for your support is screen time and having battles with your kids so please tell us uh, what, how much screen time should a child get what is a reasonable amount and okay
1: so i think um this is a big question that has been coming up in my practice, and I think across the board for all parents, especially coming out of such an intense period where kids were in school online, and um, you know that was their socialization with friends was all online, and how to rebalance um, your your screen time rules uh, exactly. has been a, a common topic. Um, And I don't, I mean, for sure, the research says before the age of two, you should not be exposing your child to screen time, except for like FaceTime with grandparents and and extended family. Um, But I don't think that there are any real hard and fast rules um, for families these days. And I think it's really important to check in with your child and not count the hours of screen time that your child is engaging with, because it might be shocking and disturbing. But I think you can start to kind of be a detective about how are they spending their time in general? Um, How are they eating? Are they eating a balanced diet? Are they still eating well? Um, Are they sleeping well at night? Um, you know, are they still engaged in family time, um, outside of screen time? Are they, you know, are you guys sitting down and talking about, you know, how your day was? Are you playing a board game? Are you, uh, how are you engaging in your family? Um, are they still engaging with friends? And now it's safer to do that in person. So are they engaged in some in-person, you know, play with their friends? And when they're on their screen time, are they engaged with their friends during that time? You know, so many of the games now are you play with friends. So is that part of their screen time? Um, Are they keeping up with school and homework? Do they have hobbies outside of screen time that are important to them? And if you can answer yes to most of those questions, then I think your child is doing pretty well. So having an extra 30 minutes or an extra five episodes um, every now and then is really not going to be the biggest deal. But if you are finding like, Hey, you know what, actually my kid's diet has taken a dive and they're not getting out as much and their sleep is awful. And they're not really spending, they're isolating themselves in their room and wanting to spend more and more time on screen time and less and less time engaged school grades are, are taking a dive. They're not keeping up. Then it's time to look at how, you know, screen time, what role is that playing in, in your child's life, and how can you balance that a little bit better? Right. Um, so there is no like a hard number, like no. a, an hour a day, or like, no, no. And it's really up to every individual family to correct right, right. that. You know, some families have a much higher tolerance. Um, for it. And other families don't own a TV. So I think it's finding, you know, finding the balance of what works well for your child and what works well for your family.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Um,
1: And if you're looking to set some limits around it, like if you're noticing, whoa, we are off the charts right now, and we need to dial this back. Um, You have to approach your child. You cannot overnight say, okay, we are cutting back and now we are down to 30 minutes every other day. That will never work. Um, so I would recommend starting with a lot of compassion, um, that it's enjoyable to spend time on screens. It's relaxing that you want your child to have time to relax and to engage with screens. You can offer additional screen time as a bonus, um, and let them know what they need to do to earn that bonus. So whether that's like, if you catch up with all of your homework, you can get some extra screen time. If you get this stuff done, then you get an extra 30 minutes. Um, but let them know what it is that they need to do um, to to earn that bonus time. And they are going to need help brainstorming alternatives for what to do with their time. And that is really hard for kids to come up with. Because in their minds, screen time is the only option. So, because it's interactive. Absolutely. You just Absolutely.
0: sit there and you watch. And sometimes I wonder, like, why do you watch other people play a game when you could be playing that same
1: game yourself? Right. No, it is, <laughs> I, and I do not understand the fact that, and I have watched, I have sat in my office and watched other people play video games with the kid. And I'm like, what is enjoyable about this to you? But the getting curious about it is really Um, really helpful, you know, asking your child, like, what is it about this watching with them um, and saying, Okay, so tell me more, what are you getting out of this, and sometimes they're learning new techniques. I've watched a lot of other people playing Minecraft, Uh um, kids that I work with and, and they learn different building techniques and they learn different, you know, they're, they're getting something out of it. It's sort of a teaching tool for them, um, in a way that it is really boring for me, (laughs) Uh, (laughs) but they are getting something out of it. And I think you have to acknowledge that and you have to get curious about it rather than just labeling it as bad or a waste of time. Um right. getting curious with them and watching with them can be really enlightening. You're right, you're right. <laughs> How has this year been
0: with the pandemic not just this year but since 2020 being with the pandemic and
1: all? What are some of the things that you see parents come up to you about? Kids are really struggling and I think that that is something that we are just not talking about enough kids are really in crisis. And I think that at least in New York City, we did the thing that we said we weren't going to do, which is send them back to school and pretend as if nothing has changed and everything <laughs> is normal. But I was talking to parents last night of a second grader, and I said to them, your kid's last normal year of school was pre-K. Yes, uh, And that gave us all pause. Um And we are expecting this kid to behave as a second grader and to handle the demands of a second grade curriculum when socially and emotionally he is still back in kind of pre-K kindergarten when everything shut down. So it's a struggle. And I think we have to acknowledge that and we have to talk to our kids about it. Um, We are seeing an increase in defiance. We are seeing an increase in acting out, in tantrums, in crying, irritation, regression, in sleep. You know, kids who were sleeping independently and falling asleep on their own are suddenly back in their parents' beds um, or waking up frequently through the night. Eating habits, toilet training, all of those things are signs of anxiety for kids and stress. Um, and they don't have the same coping skills that we have as adults.
0: Right, right. So how can we introduce those coping skills? What are some of the examples that we can practice?
1: I think, I think we have to label it first and ask our kids, how they are feeling and really say like, you are going to school with a mask. It is crazy. You have to sit out in the hallway to eat lunch, whatever changes you have noticed. I think you have to bring them up to your child. Um, and that is first and foremost. And oftentimes kids don't want to have uncomfortable conversations. They will try and wiggle out of it. But normalizing how uncomfortable this year is and how, how it's totally fine. I mean, we all as adults feel anxious and angry and sad about being back at the office or um, whatever our routines are, we are having those feelings. And I think labeling them for ourselves and then mm-hmm. also labeling them for our children right, um, right. is very, very important. And, you know, they often say name it to tame it. Just acknowledging that you can, you're having big feelings about this, is often takes a lot of weight off of kids' shoulders. Um, right,
0: right. Sometimes I ask them, says everything is fine. It's okay. Right. <laughs> Right. I guess it's asking those open-ended questions to kind of elicit back a response or without prying in too much, but having like a normal conversation of exchanging of ideas as opposed to calling something good or bad, but to have that experience.
1: Right. And it's not going to be a one and done conversation. Mm -hmm. You know, if you say, how how is school today? How's it going? And they say, oh, everything's great. Great, then you can circle back to that the next day um and say, you know, I you said everything is great, but I'm noticing that you're having a hard time falling asleep at night. I'm noticing that you seem to be a little bit more irritable and mm-hmm. saying what you noted um, and saying that you notice it for yourself as well, that everything is not great, and that it's okay for us to name those things and to sit with them mm-hmm. and and then do some problem solving around it. A lot of families, um, we'll say, well, you know, and now we're going to take some deep breaths. And deep breathing is not right for every kid. And I think that that's really important. Um, some really hate it. And so I, I have a friend who's a yoga teacher, and she said to her kid, like, let's, let's take a deep breath. And he said, that's your thing. That it's not my thing. <laughs> um, So I think it's important to find the calming tools uh, with your child that will work for them. Uh Um, Whether it's taking deep breaths or, um, you know, running their hands underwater can be very soothing. Splashing water on their face, being in a bathtub can be very soothing. Having things to squeeze can be very soothing. Taking a walk, getting out of your environment and just kind of changing the scenery um, can be very soothing. Mm-hmm. being in nature, you know, so finding the thing, not just screen time, but <laughs> finding the thing that will, um, that will help them to relax and notice like, okay, we're today, we're going to try this thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, how did it go for you? How, you know, for me, it didn't really help me calm down, you know, and, and see if they can start to analyze it a little bit with you. Right. Right. And what are your
0: advice for older kids? Cause oftentimes I find my daughter says, oh, I'm bored.
1: Mm-hmm. And finding
0: kind of other than the screen time.
1: Yes. Yeah. So that is when you can really brainstorm. Like, okay, you know, so besides screen time, what else do you like to do? Um, You know, could you call a friend? Not, you know, like on the phone. Not, <laughs> not um, you know, playing a video game with them. But could right. you call them and talk to them? Could you pick up a book? Could you um, do an art project? Um, you know, tap into some of that creativity um, and help them remember what they used to enjoy. Um, I think for a lot of us during this time, we've let a lot of our hobbies and interests go. Um, So I think, you know, getting back to like you used to enjoy knitting or you used to enjoy drawing, Mm -hmm. you know, is there, is there, what if we took out your sketch pad and modeling with for them? Right. You know, it's all about modeling and we are always on our phones um, as adults. So we need to also put our phones away and say, "Okay, I'm going to engage in this hobby or this activity. And for one hour, we're going to turn off the screen time and just do something together as a family, Um, whether it's play a board game or, you know, there's endless opportunities. Um,
0: yeah yeah well I I do I didn't forget my hobbies I enjoy singing and painting and I do that of course singing is on the phone but but it's it's a hobby and I, I believe we need all of us not just kids but adults as well 10 minutes of joy every single day absolutely something that sets your soul on fire so you feel great and you don't get, get hung up on anxiety on all the other negative things, but
1: to have, yeah. keep
0: that momentum. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> like like some... brushing teeth, like that. <laughs> Maybe that doesn't bring so much joy. <laughs> so I'm saying that it becomes a yeah. habit a that you do every day. Like yeah. that's what
0: I wanted to say. Yeah.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah. And another- also, yeah. I think it's really great for you to model having something for yourself. And that this is something that you enjoy, and it's uh, it's about giving you enjoyment and you pleasure, and you are working to get better at it. Um, and I think um, that's a really great thing to model for our kids.
0: Right, right. Thank you. And the other uh, thing we also spoken about is ADHD support and social emotional skills. What can you recommend for uh, listeners who have kids with ADHD?
1: I I think the important thing to know for kids who have ADHD is that their social and emotional skills are often two to three years behind their neurotypical peers. Mm -hmm. So again, if you have a 10 year old, they're really kind of around a seven, eight year old level in terms of relating to, to peers and friends, um, which can make those friendships really challenging because other kids get fed up with them. Um, and it's heartbreaking to watch that. Um, and, and nobody wants their child to be isolated, um, or to feel lonely. Um, so I think that there are some really great things that you can do. The thing about kids with ADHD is that they struggle to monitor their own behavior. Um, so they don't realize in the moment what they're doing to annoy other people. They, they misread social cues. So I think that giving them frequent feedback in a gentle way um, is the most effective way to handle this. Um, and that requires a lot more hands-on. In terms of play dates, you know, your child with ADHD might not be the kid that you can sit on the bench while they're out on the playground or that they're upstairs in their room playing with a friend and you're downstairs, you know, cooking dinner. They might need you to be a little bit closer by, um, Mm -hmm. to try to get some coaching in, um, in the moment about what's happening, um, so that they're not missing those cues. Um, So a lot of times, um, picking a couple of areas that the child is struggling with and saying, okay, we're going to work on listening to your friend Mm -hmm. and doing some role plays can be really a fun way. Have them pretend to be the friend and you be them and then change roles and, and really practice, practice listening or practice, um, reading facial expressions, which is really hard when you're wearing a mask. Um, or listening to when the kid says I don't want to do that anymore or you're not listening to my ideas and and practicing being more flexible in terms of of what they're playing but Mm -hmm. that kind of direct coaching really works for these kids Mm -hmm. in the moment and then you know practicing it because sometimes I see a kind of
0: very rigid in terms of any kind of change, or it could change from being uh, like nice and mellow to all of a sudden (laughs) rough and explosion, and and you don't know what happened.
1: Right, right. And your child with ADHD is going to have a hard time giving you the blow by blow. Right. They have a really hard time organizing a story and saying, well, this happened and then this happened and then this happened. Because if they could do that, then they wouldn't explode. <laughs> it's, it's that kind of disorganization that's going on in their brain and the misreading of a social cue and then they react. Um, they just don't have that second to be like, wait, what's she really saying? It, you know, um, is she really saying she doesn't want to be my friend anymore? Or is she saying like, I don't want to play this game. And what they hear is often different than what is actually said, which can lead to, to the explosion.
0: Mm-hmm. And would you say they benefit from being in a social skill group where, you know, they learn, I guess, from other kids or
1: from adults? They, yes. Um, that can be super helpful, um, for a couple of reasons. One is that they can get practice, constant practice, um, and they're not the only one in the group with ADHD. So oftentimes there's an acceptance there and there's a a giving of more chances, um, among the peers. And, um, that's oftentimes so helpful for these kids and friendships will be made outside of the group because these kids have everything in common. They know, you know, they know what it's like um, to to be explosive and to be rejected by friends and, um, and that bonds them together. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it can be, it, a social skills group can be a fantastic way to um, practice the skills, uh, but also find acceptance and support from your peers. Right, right. Thank you. Thank you. What do you think is the most
0: important skill to instill in a child? Any child or a child with ADHD? <laughs> <laughs> any child. And um,
1: Yeah, any child. I think the ability to name feelings mm-hmm. um, and be able to sit with them. And that's really, really hard. It's hard for parents. It's hard for adults. It's hard for um, kids to feel like, you know, it's okay that I'm sad right now. And Mm -hmm. that it'll pass. It's not going to be forever, but to really let the feeling pass through on its own. Mm -hmm. I think sometimes as adults, we rush to solve the problem and to have the feeling move on Mm -hmm. uh, because it's uncomfortable for us. So I think the biggest gift we can give our kids is the gift of being able to sit with their feelings and label their feelings. And I think for a kid to be able to label their feelings and sit with them um, is, is huge. Yeah. My son is
0: very articulate. He's only seven, but he can tell you, like, if he's sad, angry, mad, Yeah, he he, he knows and he'll let you know. So you are aware too.
1: That's great. (laughs) What do you want to be remembered by?
0: Um,
1: oh gosh, that's a tough question. Um, I, For families, um, the families that I work with, I think I would want to be remembered as being playful and fun and practical. And for the kids, uh, hopefully just playful and fun. (laughs) (laughs) That I was a playful and fun adult. uh, And and that was a really special time to hang out with me for however long it was, whether it was you know, just a a handful of sessions or if they worked with me for a few years.
0: Thank you. I love that. I think it's wonderful, (laughs) playful and fun. That's awesome. (laughs) If people would like to find you or work with you, where would they go?
1: Um, My website is amyweberplaytherapy.com and they can find me there uh, if you're local to Brooklyn. And if you are not, um, I do offer some parent coaching Um, and that website is peacefulparentcoaching.com.
0: Thank you so much for coming on, for sharing your advice, for being here. I loved our conversation.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I, I really enjoyed talking with you.
0: If you like this episode, please share with somebody who would benefit. You can leave comments, topic suggestions, and add your reviews on Apple Podcasts. It also helps greatly when you download the episode. If you feel lost, emotionally hurt after divorce and want to rediscover who you are, you don't have to do it alone. Join our community on Facebook, Limitless Women, Self-Love mindset and support for relationships where we hold trainings and various events to help you thrive and become happy again because life after divorce is possible and can even be great if no one told you today i want you to know that i love you and believe in you because you are limitless